Take your Bibles today and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And we're going to be looking at that theme that we've been talking, that Sheila was just talking about, that God chose you. Some of you can, can testify because you saw me when I was in the first grade. I was as big around as I was tall. I wouldn't fast. I couldn't do much of anything. And I got chosen last, if I got chosen at all, on every team ever. And I can remember what that felt like. And then I can also remember those days from the sixth grade on when I started growing up and so on and so forth and got bigger, stronger, and faster. And I said to myself, if I ever get to choose a team, I'm going to choose the worst guy first. first worst guy first. Because it felt bad not to be chosen on a team. But I want us to look at the Word of God and see what it says about being chosen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about how many times we look at the Bible, we read something in the Bible, we go, oh, that's great. Man, I'm glad God chose me. Ooh, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit came to teach me all things. I'm glad that, that this happened. But do we really understand what is happening in this passage of Scripture? The King of kings and Lord of lords, the, the creator of the whole universe, the God who spoke into existence and everything that is, the God who has everything under his control, chose you to be on his team. Wow. And he chose you right at this moment in time to be there. Can you imagine that God, and we're going to talk a lot about this tonight, but can you imagine a God that, that had a plan all the way from creation? It says before the creation of time, he chose you. Wow. He knew who you were then. Wow. That's amazing. I think about it all the time. I've been helping Chuck over here on the, on the parsonage tear it down. I think about every day how little I get done. Upside what I used to be able to get done. Think about how long it takes and what I can't do anymore and so on and so forth. And I have to remember that God chose me just for this moment, just to be here in Peacock, Texas, just to be the pastor of this place right now in this moment. And what a privilege that is for me. Guys, you know, three years ago, I told God I'm done. I'm done. I've had all this I want. And God put me on the bench for a while, if you look at it as a team. And I want to promise you, when you tell a coach I'm done, he don't put you back in until he's ready for you to go back in. And I've been hungry for that slowly but surely. I mean, there was a time there for about a year that I, I, was, I worked for Covenant in security over there, and that was a little more than I wanted. Then I worked for LCU in security. That was a little, much less than what I wanted. When you work for LCU in security at night, those kids do nothing. I was expecting college life, but the LCU is like, whoo, wow. You run around waiting for the little guy on the bicycle to come by and he's going to rip a car off or something, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning. So anyway, it, it was a little less. And then I went to work for a church, got the privilege to go and work in facilities for, for, for a church in Lubbock. And that was a great time. During that last year, year and a half, God started working on my heart again, my soul. And so for the first time in 
all of these times the fire is back. I'm ready to go. Man, Jeremiah says it's like a fire inside of your soul. You've got to let it out. Man, it's just awesome when God gets a hold of you and starts moving and you realize you're on his team and he has chosen you. Just like when we gave you that dollar this morning, he's chosen you. By the way, you can tell everybody in Stonewall County, I paid you to come to church, but that's fine. No problem. But from the beginning of time, you need to understand who our God is. Can you imagine a God who put into existence all of the universe, spoke it into existence just because of all his power, that thought about you when he was doing that? Wow. That's an amazing God. That's an amazing God. He loved you so much that he died for you. And we read that and, and realize that, that, uh, that we, we see that in writing and go, okay, Jesus died on a cross. We talk about it all the time. But the King of kings and Lord of lords gave his life up for you. He didn't have to do it that way. He chose you and I for just this moment. Now, why? What did he choose us for? What kind of team are we on? Chose us before the creation of the world. Chose us to be holy. That word literally means without sin. Be holy as I am holy, God says. He chose us to be righteous. He chose us to be blameless, which means pure without any falsehood. Wow. The picture that God has for us and the desire that God has for us may be different from what we have done in the past. I think about how many times, and I talk about all the times how I've failed, but, you know, either from a coach's standpoint or from my dad's standpoint, I didn't want to disappoint them. I did not want to disappoint them. Why? Because... My dad loved me. He wanted the best for me. My father in heaven loves me. He wants the best for me. He's chosen me to be on his team right now. I think about those times. One of the worst times in my life was at Cisco Junior College. My brother had, I had, I had a, a full ride to Texas Lutheran College down in Seguin. It was hot. I was sweaty. Decided that wasn't where I wanted to go. My brother said to me, hey, you need to go to Cisco Junior College and learn how to play football. And I was like, I know how to play football. I'm a stud. I, need, I know how to play football. My first day at Cisco Junior College, I got knocked out twice. I found out I, I didn't know diddly about football. Didn't know how to block. Didn't know how to tackle. Didn't know how to run. Did not know. And Coach Anderson helped me out with all of those things. But I got hurt. I didn't get, you know, you, you work so hard to get there. And, and you, you get on that football field and, and you, you, I went from, from a tackle to a, to a tight end and it worked hard enough that I got in the starting spot at Cisco Junior College. And wow, I didn't think I could get hurt. Didn't think that was possible playing football. Guess what? I got a rude awakening about midway down the field. Jumped up for a football, and I could hear that. I could hear that linebacker coming. He was breathing hard, the big boy was. 
He put me out of the football business like that. Like that. And I quit. From that point forward, there was something inside of my soul that said I'll never quit again. We've been raised in this part of the country not to quit. Don't quit. Well, I quit. I was tired of it. I didn't want to rehab. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to play anymore. But that quitting helped me in my life to realize that I had quit on God too sometimes. That ought not to be the case. God has expected me, expected me to live a life that is holy and acceptable to him. It's the truth that no matter how many times we do that, no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we let him down, if we ask forgiveness, the Bible says that he'll forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness again. That's what kind of a God we serve. But there's an expectation for us. If you're going to be a player on the team, if you're going to be on God's team, there's an expectation here to be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow. How do you start your day off? What does that mean? How, how do you start your day off? I, I can promise you that every day when my little eyeballs pop open, which is much earlier, by the way, than Sheila's eyes pop on where she's at. <laughs> when my eyeballs pop open in the morning, it's time for me right at that moment to say, God, today I want to live for you. Today I want to be holy and blameless in your sight. Today I want to be the man that you've called me to be and be on the team that you've called me to be on. I want that for my day, Father. I know that in my own trying and, and, and desire, I'm going to fail in that. But the Bible says you're not alone. The Holy Spirit works inside of you and drives you and guides you that you can live that kind of life. It's holy and acceptable to Him all day long. Starts every morning of our life. How we could live before Him without any falsehood, without sin. There's, a, there's an interesting little passage of Scripture here. In verse 4 it says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. And, and then there's this little phrase. It's, it's, it's not a sentence, by the way. In love. Don't know whether that connects to the one before it or the one after it. Maybe both. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Or, for he chose us in, us in, the, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. Either way, it goes with both of them. But it's just interesting that he puts that little phrase right there in the middle. In love, he predestined us. Boy, that's a big, huge controversy in, in Christian life. Whether you, God, predestined you to be part of his family or not, whether he just include a certain group of folks or some Christian, um, Christians who believe that God only predestined this many people, that's it. You're either predestined or you're not. Nothing you can do about that. You're either accepted in or you're not. But Jesus said he came to seek and to save all that are lost. All. That means every one of us in this room. That means everyone in the world. He predestined us for that. God chose us. Set us aside is what that word predestined means in this book of Ephesians. He set us aside. Wow. 
That's awesome. Every one of us in this room has different gifts and talents. Are you ready to lay those out and let them be used by God? Because he's predestined you for this moment in Stonewall County, Texas to reach people for him. He's gifted you to be able to do that. He's he's preordained you to be able to, to, to handle what's going on right now. I hear it over and over and over again. This is the worst the world's ever been. It's got to be coming to an end soon. Survey says, eh. if you look through history, we're no worse and no better than every other generation before us. What's the difference? I think we said it, by the way, in Sunday school this morning. Those guys that the disciples, Jesus came to them and said, okay, I'm fixing to leave you guys. Been here three years with you. I'm fixing to leave you. And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. They had no earthly idea what that meant. But we, we have got this book called the Bible. And every one of us in this room can have a copy of that. The difference is we've got the rule book set before us. We've got the book that tells us exactly who God is and what he's, he's about. We've got that set before us. So here's the opportunity we've got. Every person in Stonewall County can have a copy of this. Every person. We've got the privilege to share with them who God is. And they can read it in black and white. We've got the spirit of truth to guide us. that works inside of us and through us so that we can accomplish the mission that God has for us to accomplish. Wow. What a privilege that is. We may live in the greatest time ever of history. Because we have the word of God in print. And everybody can have it. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That doesn't mean a redheaded stepchild, by the way. That means we're adopted. You, I don't know if you've grasped it, but I hope you have in this sermon that you've grasped the fact that the God of this universe has not just predestined you and called you. He's not just chosen you to be on team. The Bible says he has adopted you as sons and daughters. Now, I've got four adopted grandkids. I can unadopt my daughter, but I can't unadopt those grandkids. She can unadopt whatever, but she can't unadopt those four grandkids. Can't be done. Legally, they are hers. And God has done that even though I believe that God formed you in the womb. Before you were even born, God knew you. I believe that he created you before the beginning of time. You were already on his mind. But the Bible says not only that, but he has adopted you. You're his. Period. You can't take yourself out of his hands. You can't ever stop him from being your father. Can't be done. You're his. Wow. That ought to change the way we live, shouldn't it? It ought to change the way we go through our day. I'm, a, I'm an adopted son or daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords who nothing is impossible to. Who, who has all power and authority over everything that's ever happened and ever will happen. I'm his boy. I'm his boy. Verse 11 says this, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. 
Did you know that God has a will for us in 2022? That all may come to know him. I'm, I'm naive. I know I am. And I've been preaching a long time. But I really believe this. Maybe in Stonewall County and Haskell County and Kent County and we have an opportunity that was, has never been presented in the history of mankind before. That every single breathing person could come to know Jesus. We have a responsibility to go and tell. We have a responsibility to live in front of them who Christ is because that's who we are. It, it shouldn't be that, that people would look at us and go, well, you, you live like a Christian. Well, yeah, I am a Christian. But what should happen is that we should also be able to tell them about who Christ is and why, why we live the way we live and offer them that same opportunity. Wow, what a privilege. What if everybody, 1,400 people, give or take, 1,400 people in Stonewall County came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord? Do you think it would change this county? Ooh, I do. What if that happened in Kent and Haskell and, and, and so on and so forth? What if that happened in all of these little counties around here and all of a sudden we became a force for God? Do you think that the, that the state senate might listen or hear or take notice? I do. Man, what if all of a sudden that spread? We got on fire for the Lord and, and we just decided we would share it with everybody even Austin, yes, they've been predestined by God too. God loves them just as much as he loves us. Houston, Dallas. Can you imagine if our state all of a sudden became the place that God was king of? That, that everybody acknowledged Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And if you didn't, the Holy Spirit would convict you so badly that you couldn't stand it anymore. I've been there before. I've had people in my churches come down the aisle crying and, and, and because the Holy Spirit had convicted them so badly they just couldn't take it anymore. They repented and came to know Jesus as Savior. Or they repented from where they were going and chose to walk the road that they'd already been on. Wow. I believe it can happen. Why? Not because David Diggs is a great pastor, but because my God is a great God. Last little passage of scripture. We love is Baptist, Ephesians chapter 2. Ooh, we love it, and I do. It's a great chapter. But we love because twice it says it is by grace you've been saved. Verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves is the gift of God, not by works, so that any man can boast. And we quit there. By the way, that's, that's the end of the Baptist life right there. Only way you can get saved is through grace. Through faith. That's it. But the 10th verse, whoo, gets down to the grass tax. It's where the rubber meets the road. The 10th verse says this, for we are God's workmanship. And that word literally means that God has formed us, created us, and molded us. My dad, 
for years and years, even when I got his old pickup from, from him after he had passed away, my mom sometime, sometime way back in there, I remember, I remember I think when she did that, but for one of his birthdays, he, she, she went out and got some of that old red clay that we got around here, and she formed it into this thing that looked like a monkey. That's a bit, it's just, it's just, and she, she gave that to my dad. And my dad cherished that, and it hung around his mirror in, in that old pickup forever. And so, anyway, when I got the pickup, I opened up the glove compartment. Sure enough, there it was. It was in pieces, but there it was. It had been special to him. She had formed this and made this for him. I want you to think about that the God of this universe has done that same thing for us. He has formed us and made us and created us just the way we are. Bumps and all. Sometimes I look in the mirror and go, wow, you're getting old, bud. What's up with that? Hair's all white and everything. Stuff don't work the way it used to. Wow. But you know what? God still loves that too. God still loves that too. I think about all the deformities that we have. You say, well, that's a, that's a terrible word. But I think about all the things that we don't have. Man, I'd like to be able to run like this and do this and do that, have this great-looking hair. I mean, we, we look at these, these magazines, and they tell us exactly what we should do and shouldn't do and so on and so forth. I said at the first that, that when I went to school, I was as big, I was as tall as I was, wise as I was tall. That's truth. I've been on a diet since I was six. Good grief. You know how well that's worked? Well, you can see how well that's worked. Okay. I had a friend of mine the other day. He, man, he's looking good. He said, I lost about 30 pounds intentionally. I said, I hadn't lost an ounce, and that's intentional too. God can take me home just like I am right here. Just like this. And yet I can serve him just like I am. Nothing has surprised him. David, that, you know, I, I, you go on this diet that says, man, it will, you'll lose weight. Ooh, you you got to lose weight with this diet. You go on this diet, and it's like we're surprised when it don't work. Well, God's never surprised. He's like, if you'd asked me, I'd have told you to start with. He's never surprised by what we are and what we aren't. That doesn't throw him off his throne. But you need to know that he has predestined us with a plan in his mind. He has a will for you. He has a, a job for you to do, if you will. He has a mission for you to be on. Wow, it ought to be our hunger and desire to be on mission with him. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for his good works which he preordained before time. I, I don't know how, how to present this anymore in a nutshell that says every person that's hearing me right now, God has willed you to be just like you are predestined you to be his child and then planned for you to be involved in his team, to work just the way he's called you and gifted you to do. I've seen so many times in the Baptist church, guys, and I've been a part of it. What Gary and I were talking, I think, the other day. Gary said something about, yep, don't get saved. First thing we do is go, well, we'll put you teaching this Sunday school class. We've done that a thousand times over. Well, we gotta, we got to plug them into here. We, we'll put them on this committee. Whew. 
we'll, we'll give them this job. We'll do that. What if we did things differently and allowed God to put them where they needed to be? We want something instantly. God goes, I've got a plan for you, and this is what I want you to do. I, one time in a church, we, uh, we did things a little differently there too. We all went through experiencing God together. Some of y'all have been through that study. But it so revolutionized that church in the way we thought that we did nothing until God moved. We did nothing until God moved. So I came in. It was time for the Sunday, you know, us to elect Sunday school teachers and so on and so That process that we go through, the committee on committees was looking at that and so on and so forth. And we were kind of having trouble getting people to say yes to do Sunday school, to be a Sunday school teacher. And the Lord just laid on my heart. Well, then, let's put a blank sheet up there. There are no Sunday school teachers. If God has not raised up anybody to do Sunday school in our church, we're just not going to have Sunday school. Now, that's sacrilegious in Baptist terms, by the way. But what happened was that people started praying, and we started praying earnestly for Sunday school teachers, and all of a sudden those slots started getting filled. Not by people I had asked or we had asked as a committee, but by people who truly felt called of God to teach Sunday school. One lady I can remember in particular, man, she came to my office and she was just distraught. And she said, David, I have no business teaching a Sunday school class, but God has just, he just won't let me go. Best Sunday school teacher I've ever had in my life. Why? Because God called her. God called her to do that. God's got a position for you, if you will. I don't, know if that's, I don't even like that word. God's got a place for you in his kingdom. It may be doing just this. All of a sudden, he says, you need to go talk to this person. Well, Lord, I've talked to him 300 times. Yep, 301 then. One man, I went and talked to him, and he said, look, I know what it means to be, a, be saved. People have told me over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm sick of hearing it. And I said, well, then that's the last time you'll hear it from me. When you know how to be saved, you know how to ask Jesus in your heart, and you'll never hear me ask again. And I left, and about next week, they were in church. And the next week, they were in church. And all of a sudden, they were saved. Why? Because they knew that God had called them. He convicted them, and he had drawn them to him. But all of those people had had a little peace all of those years telling him about Jesus. There are people all around us. John and I were talking this morning and he said, well, how many people in Peacock? There's a lot of people in Peacock. And by the way, I met more people from Jayton than I ever knew in my whole life last week. Wow. There's a lot of people in Peacock in this area. They need to know about Jesus too. They need to hear the good news of who he is. And we are the only ones going to be able to tell them. We're the ones God has set aside to do that. When I was at Cisco Junior College the first day, you know, I tell you I got knocked out twice the first day. They had this linebacker. That dude had arms about this big around Man, he slapped, knocked me. I thought I'd hit him high, slapped me upside the head, knocked me cold. 
The next time I thought I hit him low, he drove my head in the ground so hard that it knocked me out. And he's one of the ones that, by the way, he had helped me up every time and go, hey, after today I'll show you how to block somebody like me. Okay. I'd appreciate that right now, but he's having too much fun. But there was a little running back from Stanford, Texas, fast. And, and they put a guy across from me, a tackle. And so I had an angle on him, and they said, all you got to do is move that guy a foot. And I thought, there ain't a man alive. I can't move a foot. I didn't move him an inch. And he crumpled me and hit that young man so hard, the helmet went flying off. And as far as I know, he got up and walked off the field and never played another down of football. I mean, he got hit hard. And I realized that if I'm going to be part of that team, if I'm going to be part of Coach Anderson's team, I'm going to have to learn how to play football. There are going to have to be some things change in my life. Oh, I thought I knew one thing, but I didn't. God's calling us to be part of a team that is kind of foreign to us. We know all the right answers. We know the way things done. But we're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit every single day of our life to teach us what he wants us to do and then to do that. That sounds like a simple plan, doesn't it? Maybe the hardest challenge you've ever taken on. But every day, you're going to have to lay yourself out before God and submit and say, God, today, I want to be holy and righteous before you. I want to be on your team. Show me what to do. And then give me the courage to do it. God's waiting for us. I'm convinced of that. Why has the world not been reached for God? Us. 2,000 years he's been waiting on us to step up. And when I say us, I don't mean peacock. I mean his people. Step up. And sometimes we think like we're, we're all alone, but we're not. There are people in the community church and people in the Central Baptist Church and people in First Jayton and people in First Spur and people in this church and people in that church. They are all God's people. We're on the same team. Wow. We got a world to reach for Him. Now don't hear me. I don't agree with any of those guys. In fact, I don't agree with most Baptists I know. Sometimes. But just because we don't agree with each other doesn't mean we can't work together for the same goal. Does not. Will you step up today? Realize, first of all, you've been chosen by the God of this universe. Chosen on his team. Secondly, leave here today going, I'm going to play for God. I want to be on his team and I want to be in the game. Wow. Today can be the day that that changes in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. King of kings and Lord of lords who's chosen all of us. Today, Father, we've got choices to make. Mm. Help us to step up and choose well, Father. Give us the courage to do that. Then, Father, give us the strength and fortitude to look to you for everything that you want us to do. And, Father, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
We're going to have a time of invitation this morning. God's inviting you to join Him. To He's already chosen you to be on His team. To say yes. To say yes. Only two types of people in this. Come on, come on down, Brent. Only two types of people in here today. Either you're saved or not saved. That seemed pretty simple. If you're saved, then you're on part of the team. Join in. Man, God's got a spot for you. If you're not, today's the day you can accept Him as Savior and Lord of your life. I pray that you'll choose well this morning. Brent, lead us.